You're listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Hmm. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the fucking show. Well, tonight I got a groovy little episode about four characters in Bristol. That's right, the young ones. And if you're upper uh, age groups, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old like I am, you probably remember the show on MTV. <laughs> a story about a punk rocker, a pathetic hippie, and, our, and wannabe anarchist poet, <laughs> and a pimp. <laughs> the cool guy. They only had 13 episodes, it was BBC, MTV licensed it out, put it off their Headbangers Ball in 120 minutes, and if you skateboarded all night like I did and lived off Cool Ranch Doritos and Mountain Dew, you probably fucking watched this whole thing repeatedly. 13 episodes. <laughs> it's just an amazing time in television. We're going to cover it tonight. So stick around. We'll have my buddy Josh back on the show to talk about some shit. We'll talk about the early days as the Dangerous Brothers and how they evolved, who they are, what they did, how they split the UK in half. And some other people will probably get on the show too, so fucking stick around, let's get this fucker rolling. We'll be right the fuck back, guys. Turn, dude. Dude. Welcome back to the show, guys. Dangerous Brothers, well, got to start at the beginning if you're talking about the young ones. <clears throat> the Dangerous Brothers was a stage and TV act by anarchic comedy duo Rick Mail and Abe Edmondson, also known as Rick the Prick and Vivian, the fucking punk, performing respectively as Richard Dangerous and Sir Adrian Dangerous, originally appearing on stage in London at the comedy club, the comic strip, the characters were well developed before appearing on TV. First appearing on television on a one-off 1980 BBC TV show, Boom Boom Go Out the Lights, Out Go the Lights, 
Hmm. They were also featured in a TV documentary film, The Comic Strip, directed by Julian Temple, before they blah, blah. Man, you know what? Fuck Wikipedia. Here, listen to this shit, though. There was an episode called Kinky Sex that they did as the Dangerous Brothers. It was one of the final sketches that was prepared for Saturday Live. And what happened was they did, they called it Kinky Sex and this fell foul of Channel 4 censors who banned it. The reason it ended up getting the duo banned from Saturday Live for being too sexy. <laughs> the fuck am I reading here, man? Anyway, if you want to go watch it, it's called The Dangerous Brothers. I thought it was like the pre-young ones. Even though that this went on into like many of these parts of their career, man. Like, you know. It was just something that these guys would have kept on doing for the next 20 years. Not just the young ones, but a bunch of shit. Alright, let's get the fuck going. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You know, one of the main characters that was on the show was a fucking puppet. These guys would use puppets. <laughs> And that was one of the reasons I loved the fucking Young Ones, man. SPG was Vivian's punk rock hamster and he had the same fucking orange trihawk thing sometimes, or like an orange mohawk. He just looked always fucked up, man. One of my favorite parts was when he fucking uh, electrocuted fucking uh, Vivian and Vivian just automatically stomps on him and kills him. Which would happen to poor SBG quite a bit there. Alright, here's that sample. They were really animated. Very active. Let's hear that laugh. Oh shit. <laughs> You can watch that shit repeatedly, and we did. I remember just watching 120 minutes, and it had liquid television on there, and then you had, like, Sonic Youth videos and bullshit like that, you know, some Ramones. And then you had Headbangers Ball, and that was Ricky Rackman, and I remember they would fucking play the S.O.D. fucking part in between the videos that was being like, oh, dude, here... But you always wanted to see the full S.O.D. video, but you never got to see the fucking full S.O.D. video. It was bullshit. Fuck Ricky Rackman, okay? Fuck that guy. I Now I do it on my show, and I played the little S.O.D. fucking thing. Probably going to do it on this show, too. Who knows? If I can find it in my stock barrel, whatever. All right, let's get some more S.P.G. up there. Special Patrol Group. That's what he named his answer. Vivian. Ah, Rick didn't like that. You know. Classic scene. Vivian fucking tosses the fucking <laughs> SPG into the curry that they're making. And he comes out of the pot all bloated. So Vivian drops him through the fucking ground. And he farts away in a fucking balloon. What the fuck else do you need? It's fucking SPG. Anyway, we'll end at SPG for now. I'll talk about him with uh, Josh here in a minute. That's all right. We'll see about that, Polly. Oh, shit. Well... I want to take a moment and tell you guys something pretty special that inside the young ones it's a story about four guys right but there's five that live there there's a fifth roommate you guys know that he's got long ass hair and he wears this fucking 
kind of smock thing or whatever. But he is the fifth roommate. He shows up in the episode Bomb. There's photo stills of all five of them. You may or may not have noticed another person in the Young One series. And he's an uncredited and unknown character. But he's been in every fucking episode, dude. And he's just hiding there. There's a video on YouTube. You can go check it out. And it'll tell you, like, where he's hidden. From the scene uh, in Demolition. He's hiding on the couch in the back. He's just fucking sitting there. He doesn't have a fucking line. I never knew this shit, dude, until I started making this episode. So I feel really fucking blessed to have decided to go ahead and make this fucking episode, man. Because <laughs> not only are the young ones fucking worthy of homage, but to know that there actually was a fifth roommate, that kind of fucking fucks with me a little. He's always sitting in the same fucking position with his hair over his fucking face. You can't see him. And he's got his fucking little arms in his hands. He's usually sitting in the fucking floor. He's in the in the episode Oil. Scene one, episode two. I'm going upstairs now to finish painting my astrological star chart, alright? Smoking that fucking oil right now. <laughs> but anyway, he's in a few of them, man. He's in scene one, episode four, Bomb. Sitting next to the bike. in scene one of episode five, Interesting, where Vivian decides to fucking suck up the entire fucking floor with this motor vacuum thing. <laughs> He's at the party in Interesting. But he's in all this shit, dude. He kind of looks like Cousin It, man. But yeah, I, I thought that shit was interesting myself. And then he shows up in scene one, episode six, a flood. And he's drowning in the background and through the window, and that's the end of him. All right. That was my special bonus. Let's get the fuck going. Man, holy shit, the fifth roommate. We'll be right the fuck back, motherfucker. We'll be right back. Fuck off, Todd. Don't do it, man. Like, I beg of you. Don't do what? Don't start the beaver. You'll cause untold cruelty. She hasn't got Castrol GTX Magnatech inside her. So every time you start her up, you're causing humongous pain. Okay, try what? Oh, cool. Fucking back. Go fuck yourself, Todd. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was creating these cartoon characters. And it was just the beginning of it, you know? The young ones were very, very, very influential. Very influential, man. 
<laughs> I really loved all of them. But Neil was such a dirty, dirty dude, man. We'll probably talk about it here in a minute, but <laughs> when Rick fucking kills Neil, that's some of the funniest shit in the world, dude. I will not deny that I <laughs> rip off shit, man. I ripped off Neil from the young ones. But I didn't like how Neil on the young ones was just so fucking pathetic. Even though I, I loved him on pathetic on that show, I wanted to take the same character and make him fucking angry. So I created my own Neil. I just took the N E I L and turned it to N I L E N I. How you spell N I E L? Yeah, Neil. <laughs> Whacks him over the head. <laughs> Kills him. Fucking kills his ass with a shovel. I needed to create these characters, and the young ones were just really filthy. I hadn't started squatting yet, but they looked like squatters, and they lived like them, and I was infatuated. I thought they were just the best thing in the fucking world. Cartoon characters brought to life. He did kill the hippie. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, man. He made his fucking berries him. like a cartoon just turns dark instantly <laughs> I'm just watching this with you guys I don't know what it was about Neil but I heard someone the other day tell me oh yeah Neil was like my role model man I think it was the weed wizard we'll probably have the weed wizard back on another episode The weed wizard from When Your Dog Eats Your Fucking Weed episode and the cannabis PTSD episode. Uh, 
way back when. With C2. Cool, that looked just like a negative reality inversion, didn't it? Classic lines. Most famous poem. And now you got three meals. <laughs> All right, let's get Josh on the fucking show. All right, let's do this. Son of a bitch, give me one more sound, little checky thingy there, Joshy. All right, sound checker. Is that what I'm getting? That's what I'm paying for? Oh, you fuck. Yeah, well, we've been waiting to do this fucking Young Ones episode for a while. Oh my God. So, one of the best shows that, again, didn't come from the United States. It didn't come from the fucking United States. No, it was a product of the BBC, and it, it, it lampooned everybody, and that's what I liked about it. It's kind of crazy, because you don't really expect to see anything that great coming from BBC or whatever, you know? Well, they did a little show called Monty Python. That was okay. That was okay. I guess. I mean, Benny Hill, Faulty Tower, uh, you know, they, they have, they, they're, they're not too bad at the comedy. Red know. Dwarf. Yeah. That was my favorite one. Dwarf? Red Dwarf. You remember that? Oh, Red Dwarf. Yes, well, of course, man. That's, that's fantastic. That's its own fucking episode. At one point, yeah, yeah. I think. Yes, that would that would be good. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Yes, oh, Doctor Who, I guess. There's there's always that show. I, I guess I guess I guess I guess an honorable mention. I mean, it's not fantasy, but Sherlock was really good. So, but the the BBC did the eighties proud man. It had everything. Yeah. It had, you know, it had political message, had race relations message. You know, definitely in the ass that were eighties were uh, were pretty hot time. And considering that this is you know started out what eighty two. Is that how old it is? Ran only. Yeah, yeah. It came out eighty two and then aired in eighty three. So, and it, it was like, I, yeah, it was like 82, 83, 84, maybe. Yeah, and they didn't, they didn't bring it over to the States until 87. So it had already run its full course, and Spitting Image was coming out at the same time, so it was like, it was like, it was a little bit 
was amazing. Of course, Phil Collins was hotter than shit in the late 80s, too. So. <laughs> he was, right? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> there, there's one. You know, Peter Dolby, you know, Phil Collins, Genesis. I saw that picture of Phil Collins just now, man. I mean, he just... I, I guess I had, every time you see him, you just see this old Genesis photo. You don't really yeah. see how old he is, you know. I was like, damn, dude, that motherfucker's old. He's probably taking his vampire serum now. Yeah, it was like... Alright, so yeah, let's talk about vampires real quick. Vampires. Velocity vampire. Nasty, video nasty. Video nasty. Hey, well, hold that thought. Hold on. Well, you don't... Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Not, not Bambi, who did a, who did a Disney nasty. You know, yeah, you're talking about the Damned episode. Yeah, well, yes, I'm talking about him, the, the Chawaski, as a vampire. Yeah. You know. from, from Johannesburg. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, they, they tie it in. Sometimes it was a little forced and sometimes it was like a little cringy. You know, like where do they find these bands? But uh, Captain Sensible, Madness, uh, Motorhead, you know, all make an appearance. So. Rip Rag and Panic. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're my kind of guy. <laughs> yep. The white guy with the tribal mask and his dad lost an orange. I mean, they were. Well, I like the very first one too. Since we're, all, it's really that guy Peter. I thought his name was Peter Waller or something from the Jam, and he's he's in that band uh, Nine Below Zero, and it's in their. It starts off in their first apartment, and that that's the original apartment. That's when you meet everybody, and uh, Vivian fucking. Drops a SPG into the, into the lentils. And he comes out all puffed out and he falls through the floor and farts off. Oh, yeah. That's some of the best shit. That You knew who you were dealing with. In the show, they had puppets. Puppets. They had pyrotechnics. They had lots of explosions and things like that. They they're bizarre-ass non-sequiturs, like the old people keeping warm in front of the light bulbs. You know, and just shit where it just goes completely, it takes a left turn, but it, 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 you know, it's live. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's theater in that sense, you know, so it, I love those little weird, bizarre-ass non-sequiturs and, you know, like all the posters come to life and they're sitting around the apartment. So then you get a chance to see the, the, the mystery girl, you know. She's she's stacked out by the by the uh, the cupboard under the stairs where the old creepy man comes from. I don't know what what what's the deal. Oh, you talking about the fifth roommate? Yes. You just fucking yeah. tried to go right past the fifth roommate. Now look, dude, did you really know about the fifth roommate before I started studying for this show? To me, it seem it just reeks of Mandela effect, dude. I don't remember. I don't think so either. I mean, my own detective work was Rick Mail was actually dating Lise Mayer, who was uh, one of the producers on the show. Uh, and while he was, it's her, it's Lise Mayer. That was my final conclusion. 
because they probably dated during the first season. And I think, you know, uh, she wanted to be around him when he was doing his stuff, you know. So that was probably how he ended up. Because if you look at every every time she show, she is around, it's a Rick part. Not all of them have to be there, but at least Rick is there. Because Mike's not there uh, in the in the one where, like, Neil's all, Oh, I'm going to go make my uh, Zodiac star chart now. It, but Mike's not there, but Rick is. Yeah. And, it, and I think every time she is there, Rick just happens to be there. But the rest of them don't necessarily have to be there. But Rick does have to be there. That's what I noticed. So you, are you saying it's the Snephalepagus effect? Uh, kind of. It's kind of like... Well, it's weird, too, because in the second season, I thought it was called Time. It's the second to the last episode. And, uh... And, uh... Rick's like, hey, I made five cups of tea. And Mike's like, well, why'd you do that? He's like, because I'm going to drink two of them. Because that's what real men do, Mike. You know, and he, he's like, oh, you could give it to my friend that lives in the bins. And then uh, he actually peeks in the bins to see if somebody's in there. But there's no one in there. And I just thought that was kind of a weird, like, throwback ref. But I think, you know, overall it was just one of these silly uh, things that they tried to do to begin with. Hey, hold on one second. Hey, that was uh, the meal break uh, call. I, uh, <laughs> sorry about that, guys, but everybody's got to fucking eat around here. You know what I mean? Yes. No, these guys are really nice up here where I'm at in this undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains right now. Recording this fucking episode. I can barely breathe. I can barely keep my brain going, and I'm smoking some of the best, 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 the best fucking weed in the whole fucking world. And I went into the fucking, because uh, we we have to do a Trailer Park Boys episode. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of material. Yep. Oh yeah, it would have to be the Mike Cladenberg era. If, if we do that, then we need to go ahead and do a Bob and Doug McKenzie and a Letter Kenny. I well, the Letter Kenny's the only one I'm not really uh, familiar with, but maybe I can. But Strange Brew definitely. I think these are all good ones, man. And uh, doing the young ones right now, I you knew they that the young ones were in a band or something, right? Tell me about that. Tell tell us about your investigation. It was it was uh well it was just prior oh no I'm sorry just post uh final half and uh all the members of the band or the the troop that, that made the young ones uh were actually in a, their own band themselves called Bad News. Bad News. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you said that? I was like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, they, they'll, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to click clack to it right now, but, um, yeah, uh, sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting to the lineup, because it was impressive how, how many people, Scorpions, Death Leopard, Motorhead, Bad News, 
Dude, that sounds sick as fuck anyway. Yeah. Heavy metal band created by Channel 4 Television. Uh, so, uh... Channel 4. And these guys were working... Were the young ones working on the actual television station? They had already done... They had already done the young ones at this point. Because Abe Edmondson, uh, Nigel Planner, Rick Mail. And then on drums was Peter Richardson, so Mike wasn't wasn't back. So they had a series, in the, uh, you know, that was created for Channel Four, part of the Comic Strength Present. But uh, they actually came out and did uh, well. They had a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody, but uh, but yeah, they actually played at Donington, so that was. That's pretty awesome. They were acting for five years, apparently. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. that was some the scoopage. Things you, the things you, the things you, you know, run across in life and you don't even realize what you're seeing at the time. Yeah. I had no fucking idea about that one. And I didn't have any idea about the fifth roommate. I was glad that I wasn't alone on that fifth roommate fucking thing. I still think it's eerie, but... I had to look it up, and I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, when you're watching something 30 years ago or shit, I don't know, I was, I was 11 the first time I saw it. Yeah. So, and, like, that, was, that was in England, and then I came back, and they were playing it on MTV you know, a couple of years after it got off the air or so. Oh, yeah. So no, that shit... The non-sequitur surrealist shit that they, they do and, and, and the puppetry and, and not only that, like I said, there is, there is even though it's kind of chaotic, there is a somewhat of a story building. I didn't like the end. I hated the Butch Cassie Sundance, you know, Butch and Sundance, you know, had the ending to it. That, that bothered me. What, where they went off the cliff? <laughs> I'll probably talk about that at the end of. I'll probably do an excerpt after this little part, you know, about that. Yeah, it's just like that. I, I don't know. I mean, good things can go on forever. And like I said, whenever you, you. I think they ran the rag out of it pretty well with, with you know, and they only did 12 episodes. So I, I don't know. Like I said, I thought it was a damn fine show. Yeah, I think it, anywhere past that, it. You know, when you do look at it being so self-contained in the 12, 13 episodes, I always say 13, even though there's like, just feels like there's just this one missing. You know, but, um, there's like that whole, like, every time I see the rotten vegetables ice skating on the plate or, (laughs) or, or just like, you know, like when the hippie opens up the, comes to the party and he looks inside you know, the fridge, and they're all like, hey, you want a good time? <laughs> you know, the yeah. they're just foul vegetables, you know. And the whole, like, yeah. emphasis on how dirty everything was, including the characters. Think, oh, yeah. I think the fifth roommate should have been the lentils, if anything. <laughs> There's always lentils on, you know. It kind of was one of the roommates anyway. I mean, you know, it mm-hmm. it had its fucking part. But. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, 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 no, I mean, but I mean that in itself. I mean, I don't know. It just, it again to go back to be a good sign of the times. How it's just, like I said, you have to, you have to scrap, you have to scrap for everything. You know. That's and, true. Uh, eating lentils every day, it's like rice and beans or or eating ramen. You know. But, uh, <laughs> like I said, they, they did. I thought they did a good job. Of, of, of lampooning everybody, and they said it was it was it was a mixed bag of hate. And uh, like I said, you know, each of the characters kind of embodies a different a different class of individuals. Well, yeah, of course. I just never thought about Mike being the. Uh, I never knew what he was when I was a kid, but I mean, it makes more sense now. Mike being this like upper class like. 
he gets it his way kind of yuppie, cool guy, dude. He's trying to be like a, he presents himself as a hoodlum, you know, he's like, he's into shady business all the time, and, uh, you know, and it seems like he's doing something, and, like, he sounds like he's under, he's full of shit, but, you know, but then you see him turn, uh, you know, Rick's bedroom into a, into a roller nightclub, you know. I always I thought that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say Mike had a had a lion tamer using his room, so you know, I mean, he, he he's getting money. He's, he's he's an entrepreneurial type of guy. I mean, yeah, he doesn't need to strike oil. So you know what my favorite Mike entrepreneur part is is uh the second episode oil. Uh, when yeah, well, that's what I mean. When it well. Yeah, but you remember how it all starts? Buddy Holly's hanging upside down in a parachute. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That little Buddy Holly song, I'm going to figure out how to put that fucker on here real fast. It's only like a couple minutes long, but... <laughs> uh, his song? His song's that song? And it sounds like Buddy Holly could have made that song up, you know? <laughs> But it's really Aid Edmondson, right? That's who's playing Buddy Holly right there. Is that him? I think it is. I think it is. I don't know, man. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean. Yeah. Well, they were so multi-purpose, man. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I noticed a lot of these like they're like trios or quartets. You know, pretty much like. Like, again, like the Trailer Park Boys, or, like, there's duets, like, fucking Strange Brew, like, with the McKenzie Brothers. But these guys are all genius. And Young Ones, they fit right the fuck in. Uh, They just fit, they just fit into this, what the 80s really were right away. And, like, how filthy and, you know, distinguished... So things were just going down this fucking shit tube, and I I loved how they were able to to show it, you know, and uh, Rick trying to crucify himself like in the first episode that demolition, and Neil's like, hey, "Is that my crucifix, man? That's heavy," <laughs> and he's like, "I already know you. Yeah, it's the worst way to die, man. You can never get the last nail in." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Man. You knew. You knew after that line. You knew <laughs> the rest of this fucking series is fucking brilliant, man, and it had every kid hooked. Every kid I knew watched the young ones. It didn't matter who they were, and it was that thing where they just broke the UK by fucking talking all this shit and making the things prevalent to where they just like, oh, you have to ban them. You can't have you can't have that. But somehow they were too popular to fucking stop. And it just, so it just kind of cracked the UK fucking right the fucking half. I mean, that show did alone. It's like that, it was, uh, I don't know how to use the word zeitgeist. It did, it captured the zeitgeist man. very well. It was just phenomenal. It was just one of these times. Once in every lifetime comes a love like this. I think we're going to wrap this fucker up. You think we did good on this thing? I know you and you know me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are the young ones. <laughs> and you, you've heard the Cliff Richard version, right? Oh, of course. Ah, oh, well, imagine those two together, both the versions. That's what I did at the beginning of the show. So, yes, guys, if you were listening to the beginning of the show... And it sounded like it went from Cliff Richard to the actual theme song in the middle of it. That's because they're in the same tune. Both songs. And they sing them in the same tune, even though one's punk rock and one's not. One's punk not. That's what I was going to say. One of these things is punk. The rest is not. I just love how they took something so generational like fucking... You know, the teen bop movement and just 
Here's a here's a bloody combat boot in your face. Yep, Dr. Martin's, Dr. Martin's, Dr. Martin's boots. <laughs> Rick, Rick just looking at Jersey like, that's the most horrid thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. No, I'm smoking tough over here, buddy. Sorry I can't smoke you out. You can't sneak tokes anymore at my house. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, you know, we'll smoke tough again one day. It'll happen. It'll probably happen between some young ones and stra- uh, watching Strange Brew. I'll leave it up to you which one you want to do next, man. Strange Brew sounds pretty good. Maybe we should do the fucking Strange Brew episode, huh? Do the SCTV it's coverage. Of, it's, it's, it's one of the first on-screen television appearances of Mel Blanc. That's true. That's not him, though, on the movie. That's just his voice. I think that's actually the back of it. Really? Yep. You boys! Where's my beer? Oh my gosh. I'd love to have Mel Blank's voice for that. Shit, Mel Blank's an episode in of it. There's so many great people out there, guys. There's so much. Great shit that people have fucking done out there. We got a lot to cover. You know, and I hope that it, you know, circulates and it comes back and it's good for your mental health in the long run. And I I think as long as it is good for your mental health, hey, man, access it. I think for guys like, not to speak for you, Josh, but, you know, I think it, it really was good regulator for the mental health check and to watch the young ones at the time that it was on. And for me, oh, it fucking helped me with all the diatribe and all the bullshit that was really coming out at that time. Uh, you know, and to be like, nope, this is the reality of how fucking crazy and imaginative. Uh, was not an, yeah, life was not an obsession that it, uh, it was the young one. It was fucking amazing. Josh, thanks for being on the show, buddy. Hey, thanks very much for having me. Hey, you hold on, and uh, we'll talk about what the fuck we're going to do next. All right, guys, let's close this fucker out. Summer holiday. <laughs> I like this last episode. It is uh, spoiler alert. They fucking do die. They die in a double decker bus after inadvertently robbing a bank, getting thrown out of their apartment, and owing a bunch of money to their fucking. Jerksy landlord. I got the stocks, Michael. What? You said we had to have stocks on our heads. Stockings! Tights! I'm not putting my head where some high girl's bottoms be. It is just the best episode, and if you watch them all in order, it is really like this big fairy tale. But I just wanted to give that little summer holiday plug. And I always thought, too, that, you know, uh, it would have been cool to see them reanimated because they did, like, come back and die and come back and die. But I guess in this last one, they really do die, you know. And ironically, they're, they fucking end up going through a fucking... 
they end up going through a fucking uh, billboard that has uh, Cliff Richard on it. Which is kind of the joke, and it revolves around Cliff Richard. <laughs> Here they go. They go right off the fucking cliff, like a gigantic gorge. It's a brutal crash, too. <laughs> that was close. That was it. Well, I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. Thanks, Josh, for your uh, uh, knowledge on some shit I had no fucking idea about. That was pretty fucking cool. The fifth roommate. <laughs> I hope my mom ends up watching it, you know. I think I'll end up just finally showing it to her. She really has to see this shit. But, you know, my mom's got a southern edge to her, too, and sometimes that UK shit may or may not fly with her ass. Want to thank you guys. Stay tuned in. We will talk soon. You've been listening to Adam RMD GED. Underground cartoon fucking therapy. <laughs> being played two miles above sea level a shitload of weed and little brain oxygen oh shit Concerning my diet, it's called Cuckoo Daddy Longlegs. You want to hear it? Oh, yeah. Right now? Well, there's no point hanging around. Quit on the guitar.